Again, my name is Jonah. I'm a student pastor here. I'm originally from South Carolina, so if you hear some words that have a little twang to it, I'm not trying to throw you off. I really am trying to be uh, authentic. But um, if any students are here, uh, show of hands, who's in the youth group uh, here? Okay, I got you. Represent. I've been trying so hard to get a uh, student section, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> grateful that you're here. <laughs> Grateful that you're here. But one thing, if the students introduce me to you, uh, they'll probably say my name, probably some other stuff. But one of the things they probably would say as well is that I butcher names. I'm horrible at names, and I am so sorry. I think it's genetic. My dad is my my dad and my mom are bad too. Um, but if you mess up my name, that is totally fine. Um, student pastor here. And I say that kind of uh, about the names because I'm about to probably butcher a name. And um, as I was praying about what to talk about today, um, I didn't just feel led to talk about freedom because it's July 4th today. I, I really honestly felt the Lord put this on my heart uh, like a month ago. And I was like, I know that's what I need to speak on. And every year, uh, for those that are, are members here, have been here for a while, every year, uh, Pastor Scott challenges us to find a word to pray through the year with. And the word that the Lord led me to was freedom. Freedom. And so uh, it's just really cool. I didn't even think about that until I was already uh, done with the message. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. But when I think about freedom, I think about a story that I heard. I don't know when I heard it. Maybe you have heard it as well. There's a man named Hiro Onada. And I, again, if I butcher his name, I am so sorry, man. Please forgive me. Um, this is not me. This is him. I promise. I know the resemblance, you know, but Hiro Nada, he was in the Japanese military during World War II, and he was sent with a special order. He was sent to go to an island, Lupang, Lubang, again, butchering that name, in the Philippines, an island in the Philippines. He was, spent, he was sent with this order to go and to never surrender and to never take his own life. And so he goes into this island, he infiltrates this island, and he finds refuge in a mountainside. But while he's there in the mountainside, something changes in the world that he wasn't aware of. Anybody can guess? 1944? The war ends. The war ends around that time. And so here's Hero. He's in the mountain, and he doesn't know that the war ends. And he's with about, I think, six other people. It wasn't that many people that was there. But he was there in the mountains. And the Japanese military, the, um, the, the, the military, the uh, Philippines, I think even the U.S. Army after the war, they, they knew that there were some soldiers kind of scattered in the mountains. And so what they did was to drop tons of pamphlets to let him know, hey, ceasefire, war's done, come out of the mountains, come out of hiding. Long story short, this goes on for 29 years. This man chills in the mountain. He didn't have Xbox. He didn't have anything. He just, he was there. And he was, he was on his mission. He was on his mission. They send flyers. It got to the point that the Philippines, the, 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 the military or the uh, gover government of the Philippines, they start attaching notes to cattle because they know that he and his men are killing the cattle to, to eat. And they put notes on the cattle saying, the war is over, dude. But again, after he, after he kind of realized the war was over, he, he told reporters he thought it was all fake news. Way before it was a buzzword. This is not new under the sun, guys. But he thought it was, he thought it was fake. 
And so he just kept fighting like he did, but he caused havoc for 29 years. He killed livestock, civilians died, unfortunately. But again, he was just following orders. It got to a point where in the articles I was reading, there was a Japanese um, in the article, hipster. I don't know what a Japanese hipster is, but I can kind of try to fill in the blank in my head. A Japanese hipster says, I want to go to this island for three things. I want to find a panda. I want to find Hero, and I think it's the abominable snowman or something like that. It was one of those different creatures. So he didn't find that. But within a week of being there in the mountains, he found a panda and he found Hero. So he's talking with Hero and he says, bro, like the war is, I don't know if he said bro. <laughs> if I knew Japanese for bro, I would totally say it right now and like flex on you guys. But he, he was just like, man, the war is over. And he still didn't believe it. No, 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 no. I have orders. I have orders. I have orders. And so finally, he gets Hero to kind of compromise a little bit. Hero says, look, I'll believe you when my superior officer gives me writing that the war is over. Again, 29 years later. And so this man tracks down his superior officer in England. He's working at a bookshop. He's a bookkeeper. And so he finds this man and he says, look, please write a letter, dude. There's this guy. He's causing havoc in the Philippines. He's one of your old men. And so he writes a letter. He gives the letter to Hero. Hero still doesn't believe it. It gets down to the point that Hero's brother had to get involved and everything. But the reports say that when Hero finally realized that the war was over, he passed out. He passed out. And it makes me think that when war is all you've known, it's hard to understand what freedom is. It was hard for Hero to understand what freedom is. 29 years, all of his men at that point were dead. They were gone. He was the only one left. And there's somebody in the Bible that knew this idea about fighting for so long and finally wrapping his head around freedom. And his name is Paul. For those that are maybe familiar with Paul, We'll talk a little bit about his backstory, but if you have your Bibles, I want you to flip real quick to, to Romans chapter 7, specifically verse 23. I want you to kind of just park there. I'm going to give you some context, but Romans chapter 7, verse 23, we're going to be just kind of hanging out in that area down to Romans chapter 8, so you can kind of put a bookmark there. But Paul, his original name was Saul. Saul grew up with this zeal, this passion for God. He, 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 was in, he, he followed the Old Testament to a T. He was someone that was known as a Pharisee. He knew what the, the Old Testament said. But Paul had this passion, this zeal to fight against followers of the, the way, which are known as Christians, followers of Jesus. Paul did not believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah that the Old Testament talked about. And so Paul was fighting so hard against Christians. He, he was there in, in the book of Acts. You see him authorizing the, the, some Christians to be killed. And, and you see this transformation that happens within Paul, that he goes from fighting a war for one side to all, all of a sudden changing and saying, my God, Jesus, you, you are who you say you are. But Paul talks about a war that goes even beyond any of the wars that we can fight here on this planet. And he talks about Romans 3, 23. And again, just kind of keep there in, in, in Romans 7, but we'll have it up here. But Romans 3, 23, he talks about a war that you and me are fighting it. And this is what it says. It says, for everyone has sinned, for we all fall short 
of the glory of God. For all, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Paul goes on to even start to talk a little bit more about this war. And you see this in Romans chapter 7. So you can follow with me if you like. Romans 7, 23. This is what he says. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from the life that is dominated by sin and death? In both Paul and Hero's case, it wasn't that they didn't want freedom. They just knew that freedom was beyond their own control. Both Hero looked to his superior officer, Paul, said, my God, who's going to deliver me? But verse 25, you, you see this. I'll read it real quick. He says this, thanks, thanks be to God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So as we're talking about this whole idea of freedom, there, there's so much that we can unpack, but it, it begins with this whole realization, this eureka moment that Paul says, thanks be to God. Who's going to deliver me? Not me, but God. But there's a tension that I recognize within myself as I'm reading passages like this. June 2011, which was last month, 10 years ago, I started following Jesus. And that, that, that began at my lowest point. I was in my room by myself. I was a junior, it was towards the end of junior year of high school. I was going into senior year and I just reached the end of myself. And I remember being on, my, on the floor of my bed, just sobbing more than I ever had before. And I said, Jesus, if you could do something in my life, you can have it, I'm done. I'm done. And 10 years since that moment, I've seen some high highs. I've seen some moments where the Lord has shown me things about himself. He's shown me more of himself. He's, he's put me in situations and I'm just like, my God, I, I can't fully comprehend this without you. I've seen some high highs, but I've also seen some low lows. I've seen some low lows. I've seen stuff that I've done things that I've thought about or, or, or even acted out on, then I'm like, my God, this, this doesn't reflect you. Lord, you know, I, I know you, but why am I not walking in you all the time? And I've seen the Lord's faithfulness so much. I had a professor in college, he did his finger like this. And he said, when you come to the Lord, it's almost like the cross is this big. And he did a little cross with his other, other finger. And he said, as you, as you grow, and as you, as the, the, the longer that you're alive, you start to see the cross becomes bigger and bigger to the point that you can't even fully comprehend it. And, and I've seen that true in my life these 10 years. Many of you in this room right now, maybe you've been following the Lord for even longer than 10 years. You know, some of you might be MVPs in the faith and you've been following the Lord since five. <laughs> maybe you, 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 you would say like, hey, I just grew up in a Christian family and, and I've known the things of the Bible. And, you know, I can't really remember when I became a follower of Jesus, but it just kind of fell into it. And now I'm here and I'm like 93, you know, <laughs> I wasn't talking about anybody specific, <laughs> but no matter where you are at in this room, I, I feel like you can relate with me with this tension. This tension is, is found in, in Romans eight, specifically verse four. And, and this is what it says. I, I don't think I have it up here, but I'll read it to you. He says this, he did this, Christ did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. The, the, the tension is this. 
I know that there are times when I do not follow the spirit of God. It's true, even as a pastor. There are times that I do what I wanna do when I wanna do it, how I wanna do it. That there's this tension because the, the Bible talks about this freedom and sometimes I, I would read this passage and I would say, God, I, I, I know what your word says about freedom. I, I think about passages such as Jesus's words in, 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 in John chapter eight, verse 36. Jesus literally says, he who the son sets free is free indeed. And then you see Paul even say in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, for the Lord is the spirit, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But what happens with those countless times when we follow our broken, selfish, deceptive desires? There are addictions that are still wrecking lives. There, there, are, there are thought patterns that I know I can recognize within myself that are, that are still just, just feeding this cesspool of just, this lies and deceit. There are mindsets that are still tainted by original sin. And I know I'm not the only one. So if you're in this room right now and you're saying, you know what? I can relate, Jonah. I know, I know that there are times I don't do what I should do. And, and, and at the end of the day, what is freedom? What does the Bible say about freedom? When we struggle and fight the war against ourselves and others, does it mean that we're not free? I wanna kind of unpack that today specifically in these verses. But there's some things that I, when I look back over these 10 years of following Jesus, there's a couple things that stand out to me. One of the things that stands out to me is that the price that Jesus paid for my sin is so much more than I can ever have ever imagined. Again, when I came to Christ, he was big enough for me to surrender to. But now I look at him, and I say, my God, you are bigger than any galaxy, any universe anything. You are so much bigger. The price you paid for me, perfection on the cross, took on all our imperfection and died. Life itself died. It just doesn't make sense. It blows my mind. And the second thing that I've seen in these 10 years, and again, I'm a baby in the faith. Just, just bear with me, but I'm just being real with you. The, the other thing that I've seen is that the Lord is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. And there is a freedom beyond anything that we can ever comprehend. My friends, on this day that we celebrate our freedom, I want us to talk about what the Bible teaches about our freedom. Let's pray together, guys. Lord God, just thank you so much. Thank you that in you there is freedom. So Lord, as we unpack some of your word that talks about what freedom is and what freedom looks like, Lord, humble me, humble us. Lord, please, God, we are all little kids trying to figure this out. And we look to you in humility. God, please break our heart for what breaks yours. Lord, I pray for those that are in this room that all of this may be new to them. Lord, I pray for those in this room that they have lived life and they've been through things. They've seen things. They have scars to prove it. No matter where we are in this room today, Lord, we want for you to speak to us, speak through anything that we are going through, God. Just like we sang moments ago, Lord, we want to respond to you. And we look to you today. It's in your name we pray and we surrender. Amen. The first point that we find is actually found in Romans 8 verse 1. You kind of looked at there with me. And the first point is this. Freedom, the Bible teaches that freedom is found in Jesus. Freedom is found in Jesus. Now, I'm from the South. I hear points like this growing up. And it was in an ear and out the ear. It, it was just like cliche to me. Like, of course you're going to say freedom is found in Jesus. Of course you're going to say that. 
But when you look at this verse, look at verse one. So now there is no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. Now remember, this is Paul. He's killed people. He's done some horrendous things. And this is Paul, a sinner, saying there is no shame. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He's saying this because he's experienced it. He knows this is true. So freedom is found in Jesus. No matter where you're at today, if you're saying, I want to be free, then heavy heart rest easy. Freedom is found in Jesus. But the second thing is actually found in verse 2. Surrender is only possible through the Holy Spirit. Freedom is found in Jesus. As we surrender to Jesus, we receive his spirit. And this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 that you see that in the beginning was God and God said. And the spirit was there hovering over the waters. The book of John says that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is Jesus. Jesus is the personification of God's word. And the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God dwells within us when we come to Jesus. But surrender only happens through the Holy Spirit. To go down to Romans 8 verse 5, again, there's so much here. But in Romans 8 verse 5, you see this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Now, again, we're, we're going to unpack this a little bit. There's another verse that goes on talking about this, this whole idea that through the Holy Spirit, we live this freedom out. Philippians 4, verse 8. Paul says this to the Philippian church. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true honorable, right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, again, that tension that I identified earlier, we can read passages like this and say, wow, that sounds really cool. I struggle to do that. But we have to remember that is through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit working in our lives. His Spirit does not go anything against His Word. The Spirit does not contradict the Word. So as we grow in knowing the Word of God, we're starting to renew ourselves into, to, to become who God created us to be. Each and every one of you right now, you have a name, a name that I would probably butcher. I would try not to, but you have a name. God created you for a plan and purpose that goes far beyond anything this world can offer. Anything that a loved one can tell you. Anything that, a, that someone who claims that they're a loved one can tell you. Anything that anybody has said over your life, God speaks. And who we are comes from what he says. And there's a passage that goes on this whole idea about the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. For the Lord is the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We've already kind of read that or mentioned that earlier. But verse 18. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Again, freedom is found in Jesus, but surrender is only possible through the Holy Spirit. So as we surrender to the Holy Spirit working within us, then we are able to live and to be who he's created us to be. And guys, to be real with you, that can happen instantaneously. But for the most part, it takes time. As we start to get to know Jesus, we start to grow in who he's called us to be. And that goes to this third point. And this is a point that this, this was the burden I had for the whole message. Freedom is not just behavior. 
Freedom is not just behavior. It could be so easy for us to get discouraged when we look at ourselves and we remember the, the glory days of what the Lord has done and, and maybe days gone by or maybe even last night. Maybe you had a beautiful moment reading his word or, or spending time in prayer. And, and I remember I, when I was first asked to, to preach this sermon, the first sermon I ever gave, I remember the point being this. Don't forget in the dark what you know is true in the light. Don't forget in the dark what you know is true in the light. And the way that we don't forget in the dark what is true in the light is remembering that freedom is not just behavior. It's not. I think as Americans, we think of, okay, I'm free because I get to do X, Y, and Z. And if I can't do X, Y, and Z, I'm not free. I understand that. But we're thinking about the kingdom of God that is not tainted by sin. Freedom goes beyond behavior. All of your behavior, my behavior, never earned a relationship with Jesus. The only thing that earned a relationship with Jesus was him hanging on a cross with your behavior and my behavior on him. I have a professor, he used to work in the Wayne County prison. I'm in, I'm in counseling right now. I'm in a master's program of counseling at Moody. And, and my professor, he was just talking about this, this brokenness of man. And he would say that he had patients come in or, or inmates come in and sit behind him. He never met him before. And he saw men just take a pencil and stab themselves in the eyes. He saw people trying to rip out their intestines. And I, I, I'm not trying to get all gruesome or anything like that. What I'm telling you is that I, I asked him, as probably you would ask him too. I said, sir, how do you go home at night? How do you talk to your, your wife or your kids? Because I knew he had a wife and kids. And I was like, how do you do that? And he said, Jonah, counseling is a wide range of human behavior. Wide range. You see it all. And he said, when you understand the horror story, you understand the good news. When you understand the horror story, you understand the good news. And, and all of our behavior never earned a relationship with Jesus. So all of our behavior doesn't even sustain a relationship with Jesus. Freedom is not just behavior. But the fourth point is this. Freedom is realizing that who I am is defined by who he is. Who I am is not defined by what I've done. Or even what I struggle with. It's defined by Jesus. It's defined by Jesus. Romans 8, if you skim down a little bit to verse 15, he starts to talk a little bit about this. And he says this, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Abba, Father. My best friend, him and his wife, just gave birth to, or his wife just gave birth. <laughs> His wife just gave birth to his firstborn son, their firstborn son, Levi. And oh my gosh, it's crazy. If any of you, uh, many of you have walked through a friend giving birth or, or, or you giving birth, and it's just, oh, it's, it's a miracle. And, and he was FaceTiming me in the hospital as he was holding his son. And, and he was, the, the son, uh, Levi, was kind of struggling breathing. And I was like, dude, is he okay? Like, do, do you need to go get a doctor? And he said, no, the doctor told me he's kind of struggling with breathing. But he, he gave me kind of a technique to kind of help him be able to learn to breathe. Learn to breathe. That is a child. And then right here, it's saying that we are children of God. When you come to Jesus... That he looks at you as a child of God. He doesn't see your mess. He sees his savior. He sees his son. He sees the savior. That who we are is defined by who he is. Galatians 4, verse 3 to 7, it goes on this whole idea of being child of God. This is what it says. Paul says this to Galatian church. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. 
We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of the world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he can adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, because we are his children, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. A, a, a good mother or father does not beat their child when they're learning to breathe. Does not beat their child when they're learning to walk. It's part of the process. As we walk out the freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit after surrendering to Christ, as we walk out that freedom, God knows that we are his child. There's nothing that can take that away. But as we start to look to him, not towards all the other stuff, all the lies, the fake news, when we look to Jesus, we are set free from the power of sin and death. And we're starting to renew our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The last point is this, and I can't stress this enough. Freedom is trust. Freedom is trust. Freedom is trust. Uh, If you go in, in Romans 8, and if you go down from verse 18, pretty much all the way to the end, he talks about this whole idea that, that when we come to Jesus, we're not just set free now, but we experience a freedom for eternity. We experience a freedom for eternity. And, and in verse 23, you, you see a little bit of this. This is what Paul says. He says, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope and we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Freedom is trust. My beloved sister, I think about you every week as you, as you willed in here. This is not it. There'll be a day when we'll have new bodies. We'll be able to dance. For those that are in this room that have suffered, that have something going on in their body, in their hearts, their loved ones or whatever, this is not it. This is not it. There's a hope, there's a confidence, but it is built on trust. Not trust in ourselves. Not trust in ourselves, but trust in Jesus. I wanted to end with, with this, that as I have followed Jesus for 10 years, it is messy. It is messy. It is messy. And if you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, it is messy. It is messy. There are times of high highs and low lows. And the Lord is faithful through it all. Don't get me wrong. He's faithful through it all. But I guess I have the privilege that through, ever since I came to Jesus, ever since then to now, the Lord prompted me. He put on my heart to start journaling. And my idea with journaling was that I know that in my rebellion, in my selfishness, my sinfulness, I can reject God's word. I can do it, guys. I can do it. Even as a pastor, I can do it. I can twist God's word to say what I want it to say when I want it to say it. We all can do that. We are broken apart from Jesus. But my thought was that, God, if I can write down what you're doing and the truth that you were showing me and the truth of your word, that the moments that I fight and rebel against your word, how in the heck can I fight and rebel against my own words? Like, what, was I crazy? Like, all that you've done in my life, was it just hoopla? And so I started journaling and 
It's such an honor and a privilege. I'm so grateful the Lord called me to do that because there's been so many times that I just say, God, do you still love me? And I read back over my journals and I'm just like, God, yes. And there's a journal entry from this month back in 2016. I moved up here from South Carolina in September of 2016. And, and when I was down in South Carolina in, in July, this, this month back in 2016, I already knew I was moving up to Michigan. I already knew I was moving up to Michigan. I already had that all planned out. I, I, I didn't yet moved up. And I had a week off of work. And around this time, to bring you into my life, around this time, I graduated from university. I was in a relationship with a woman for three years. And uh, we were engaged for like a year and a half. And it fell through. And it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. I was so firmly convinced that this was my wife. And ugh, it's hard. And I found myself, I had a... I had a a day off of work and I woke up really late. And you know, when you wake up and you just like, God, I'm, I'm off, I'm off, I'm off. I know I'm broken. I know I'm broken. And, and so I spent the day, I said, you know what? I'm just gonna grab my backpack with all my journals. I'm gonna go out to this point that overlooks the city of Columbia. I'm gonna sit at a point that I've sit at many, many times. I'm gonna sit down. I'm just gonna look over and read my journals and Lord, help me process what you've been doing. Cause right now I don't feel you. Right now I'm struggling. And I said, God, just, just remind me of who you are. And I sat there and for like six hours, I read through my journals. And this is what I wrote down. As I got done reading through all these journals, I wrote this. And, and I, I don't share this to, to appear spiritual or anything like that. I, I share this to bring you into humanity. And this is what I wrote down. I said this, Jesus, I write this in absolute humanity, confessing my arrogance, pride, pomp, and utmost rebellion. I read back over some of my old journals and you showed me what I've been controlling and missing. Jesus, I've hoarded myself so much and so much of my heart that you alone deserve. I am so embarrassed by the billions of times I cried out for mercy, yet I have more sin than I can count. There is a sad truth that I and we as people truly never pour our heart out to you unless crap hits the fan when I compromise emotionally, financially, or sexually. I'm so embarrassed and I'm so sick of myself and my sin. I really couldn't love me. And page after page, I was reminded that I truly alone and outside of you deserve hell for day after day. I would raise my hands and appreciate verses that made me feel good. Yet behind the scenes in my arrogance, be manipulating time and events to go the way that I want and desire. I also day after day prayed for purity of heart and mind, yet constantly said, sorry for compromising. But through it all, Jesus, you blow my mind that you who know what I know now as I'm sitting here, you know my tomorrow and you have also clearly walked through each of my todays. You have been with me each day of my life by my side in presence and you are present in time as you also exist outside of time and you give me what I need for each current day. You have forgiven me way more times than I can count and I even have experienced this even right now as I'm writing to you. You know when I will be reading over this again and who will be reading this. I didn't know that a whole church congregation would be hearing this. <laughs> and you know then what I do not know now. The best entries were not the billions that I made worrying and praying over my relationships or marriage or my own different situations. But instead, when I truly prayed for myself and spoke honestly and openly to you. You also help me see that the best is yet to come. Heavy heart, the best is yet to come. Despite all that I've just said, you know who I am and how easy it is to sin. 
You've grown me more now than I ever was before. The joy of the childlike faith you gave me back in 2011 still remains through your Holy Spirit within me. Things are so easy to see in hindsight. However, it is blocked when I am emotionally tied and not truly firstly surrendered to you who holds it. Jesus, you've made me. And despite my sin, you love me as I come. You died for me to come to you. Wow, Jesus, you died for me to come to you. You died for the arrogant blind man that I just read back over these journal entries to now. You love that man so much that you died so that he would love you back. You are faithful in your love for me. I've seen countless sunsets where I am sitting right here and I've prayed countless prayers where I'm sitting and I've, found count, I've felt countless emotions where I'm currently sitting and you know them all. Through every mistake, decision, action, thought, or dream, you have faithfully walked and held me. I have never walked alone, even though I felt and feel alone at times. Whether moving in with former roommates or with Andy and Amanda, Paul and Betty, the Pineview Apartments, or one day moving to Michigan. It's really crazy. God, it really doesn't change anything at all. Whether, and I, I list a lot of different jobs that I worked at, whether working at these jobs or the moments that I was on my knees, it really doesn't matter to you. You are unconditionally faithful in your love for us. And I wrote down Psalms 139, 23, 24. Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and there's many, and lead me in your way everlasting. All I need is you, Jesus. Please use me, I'm yours. Jesus, please return the fragile boy in me, the sensitive Holy Spirit that you gave me to thrive once again. Break my heart so bad, Jesus. Open up the holy floodgates. I surrender control. I'm sick of still trying to do things alone. I'm done. I surrender, Jesus. I'm yours. Jesus, be my strength and my guide. I read all this to bring you into a moment of revival in my life. I know that the Lord allowed me to, to have this moment in order for me to look to him for where he was about to bring me. This prepared me for Michigan, guys. I remember after writing this, going back to my apartment, and I couldn't even eat. And I got on the floor and I just wept. And I was just saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you. My, my, all of that condemnation that I could have filled turned to praise because I knew who I was in Jesus. And I say all that to say this, guys, we will never find freedom apart from Jesus. We will never find freedom apart from Jesus. Freedom wasn't in a spouse. It wasn't in my situation, my external circumstances. It was found in my creator, savior, sustainer. And there's also the reality of this, guys. There is freedom today to trust. There is freedom today to trust. What is it that the Lord wants to do within your heart, within your life? Here, are, we are passionate about helping people make their next steps with God. And guys, we are all in that together. We are all little kids trying to figure that out. Freedom is found in Jesus. Surrender is only possible through the Holy Spirit. Freedom is not just behavior. Freedom is realizing that who I am is defined by who he is. And freedom is trust. What does the Lord want to do in your life today? What are the ways that you can trust, that you can lean in more than you've ever leaned in before? I'm firmly convinced that the Lord wants to do a personal revival within his church. I see that in the scripture and I see that in my own life. And guys, that begins with us. That begins with Jesus, of us saying, Jesus, we need you more than we ever did before. Regardless of what goes on in this nation, regardless of what goes on in this world, what is going on in your heart? What is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do? I wanted to invite us right now in this moment of humility, 
all of our walls down. I just invite you to, everybody just bow their heads and close your eyes. And the reason why I ask you to do this is because in this moment, it is between you and your creator, savior, sustainer. It's not about me. It's not about Lake Point Church. It's not about anything else. It's about you and your God. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. So loved. And I want to invite us into this moment right now just to have a moment of silence and say, God, what is it you want to do? Lord God, just thank you so much. Thank you so much that it doesn't depend on us, but God, we surrender, we surrender. Lord, for those that are in this room right now that they realize, they, they feel that conviction through the Holy Spirit. They know that they have never yet trusted you as savior, as Lord of their life. They're still identified by their own sin, their own desires. But maybe today, right now, that is the moment that your Holy Spirit is piercing their heart and they're realizing, Lord, Abba, Father, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Lord, there is freedom in that. There is freedom in that. No matter what has been done, no matter what they have done, no matter what's been done to them, Lord, there's freedom in you. There's freedom today to trust in you. For those right now that have never yet trusted in you, may today be that day. And for those that are in this room right now that they have trusted in you, but, but they, they, they maybe have just kind of been wandering and, and doing things and, and falling into that behavior traps, Lord, may they feel love today. Perfect love cast out all fear. When we know that we are loved by an unconditional just love, it, it frees us to be able to be who he's created us to be. So Lord God, no matter who's in this room right now, as we take moment coming up for, for, to receive prayer and to respond with others, Lord, I pray if there's somebody here that has, has made a decision, Lord, will they make it known? Make it known. Will they write down the connection card? Will they talk to somebody up here on the front? Lord, but ultimately at the end of the day, Lord, you know, and we surrender to you. Lord, we thank you that we will never find freedom apart from you. Thank you, Lord. We are so loved. And it's in your name we pray and we surrender. Amen.